optionsinhealing.com or 217-8878. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Feel like escaping every once in a while? Join me, Fritz Homans, every Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 4 at the Blues Station. We'll shuffle out of town on track 145 and explore the well-known and not-so-well-known blues artists from coast to coast. Good blues is more than just playing notes, and we'll explore those artists who understand that concept and who play with their soul and their passion. You can count on a good escape on Wednesday afternoons. Lots of good insight into the artists who are bringing us the best of the blues and their music. All aboard for the Blues Station. That's every Wednesday from 2 to 4, right here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and all over the world, online at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Mabel Wadsworth Center providing comprehensive sexual and reproductive health services to people in northern and eastern Maine since 1984. Insurance, Maine care, self-pay accepted, and reduced fees for uninsured clients. MabelWadsworth.org. It's one minute after 10, and it's time for Healthy Options. Hi, and welcome to Healthy Options. Cynthia Swan here, and our show today is about health and reading. My guest today is Tommy Townsley. Let me tell you a little bit about Tommy. Tommy Townsley began her career as a children's book author in 2005 after the devastation of two major hurricanes, Katrina and Rita. Mrs. Townsley experienced firsthand Hurricane Rita's destructive force that struck southwest Louisiana. The rebirth of southwest Louisiana and the determination of the Cajun people have inspired Mrs. Townsley to write children's books about the region she appreciates and loves. Through her charming Cajun tales, Mrs. Townsley strives to teach and inspire children everywhere about Louisiana and its unique culture. Presently, she has written and published seven books. Her Cajun Tales titles, Dolphin Clyde, The Cajun Calf, Amos the Artistic Alligator, Dixie the Old Dog, Samson the Spirited Horse, to name a few. She's also the chairman of the Southwest Louisiana Children's Book Writers and Illustrators Guild, a board member for the Children's Museum of Lake Charles, Louisiana, a board member for the Lake Charles Symphony and Orchestra, and publisher of Alligator Book Bites Publishing House, where the sideline is, Our Books Are Yummy. While Tommy has many varied interests, she's totally dedicated to the importance of reading to children. Mrs. Townsley believes that every child has the potential to do great things. Hey, welcome, Tommy. I'm glad to have you on the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be able to talk to you and everyone in Maine. Yes. Well, we're glad. <laughs> cheers Cheers to you and hail to you from Louisiana there. Let's dive in. The P- okay. The PBS NewsHour had a piece not long ago citing an actual study that indicated that reading promoted longevity. Now, with that in mind, how do you think that reading is important to health? Um, yes, um, reading is very important to health and has um, positive effects on health. Um, studies have found that people who read at least 30 minutes a day live longer than those who do not read at all. Um, books engage the reader's mind. Um, fiction books have been found to be even more positive, and studies are showing now that reading books help you live as long as two years longer. Reading has many cognitive benefits, and reading books is very therapeutic. Um, it slows down your mind, and it helps to de-stress you. So these are just to name a few, but um, I'm on the positive effects that reading has on your health. So everybody should be reading. Um, did, did the study mention like what kind of material or was it just reading in general? Reading in general, because reading in general is, like I said, it's therapeutic, but there's all kinds of things that are happening in the brain, of course. You have, you know, neurons firing and, the, I, you know, I have a psychology degree as well, but um, I won't go into detail about that, but there's so many, um, you can go online and look at all the studies that are being done um, about reading. And especially because I focus and I specialize, I should say, in children's books. And I've done a lot of studies on, you know, mostly children, um, even, you know, as they're in the womb as well and reading to them while they're in the womb, it affects them for the rest of their life. Oh, my goodness. That sounds fascinating. I, I, that's the first I've ever heard about that while they're in utero. That actually yes, reading to them absolutely. is beneficial. That is, absolutely. That's really cool. Well, with that in mind, since you've, we've already, you know, talked about children, about kids, mm-hmm. why is it so important then to read to kids? Okay, so that study was one, but um, how, how can reading improve children's lives in other ways, like reading to them? Okay, like I said, you know, mentioned before, reading to them, and I encourage all mothers who, you know, have the, the you know, or have the baby in utero, you're building strong relationship with, with your children. Um, and, of course, and, you know, as you continue on reading to them, and I always stress to read at least 20 minutes a day to children. Um, academic excellence. Kids who are read to before preschool are more likely to do well and become successful. You know, they have language skills. Children learn sounds and new words, and they increase their vocabulary. Children learn better communication skills, and they will be able to express themselves better uh, through reading. They also learn self-discipline and longer attention spans and better memory retention. And, of course, what I always stress and what I do in my business, the Alligator Book Bites, is go around to the schools and stress how reading is so much fun. And early childhood reading helps them to view books as a treat and not a chore. Yeah, exactly. That That's a good point. Um, so you're, you know, also, I, you know, you're a woman on a mission. And, um, mm-hmm. and of course, this, this mission has to do with, um, with reading. And um, so t- talk a little bit about that. 
Okay. Um, yes, I've always, um, I am a woman on a mission, on a big mission, <laughs> um, with reading being the key. I've always loved children, and I wanted to help them, and ever since I was a little girl. And I started out, I wanted to become a counselor, and I, you know, started out in that field, like I said, my degrees in psychology and English. And I started in that field, and then I took a turn and started writing children's books. And as I did that, I became aware of, I, I found out that writing children's books with moral lessons in them was teaching children lessons, and they were reading, but they were also, um, you know, um, listening to these lessons in the books and absorbing them. And the responses that I received were positive. I've written and published seven titles myself. Mm-hmm. And I want to continue to inspire children to read by making it fun to read. And that is my mission, is to make it fun to read. Because like I said, if children don't think it's fun to read, they won't read. So I go about different ways in making that happen on how to make it fun to read. So give, give me a couple examples of how you make it fun to read when you're, you know, you're, you're in front of a group of kids. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of it is uh, the way that I present myself. Um, of course, and being very positive, and I feel like I'm, you know, quote, on stage, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, with my eyes wide open and a big smile on my face, and um, I'll go into the schools and, um, you know, be really happy and, and talk to the kids about the importance of reading and that, you know, and, and education and that they can become successful uh, the more they read, and so, and the way I do that is I will not only read my book, but I may have you know, like uh, I'll have stuffed animals or I'll have a PowerPoint, you know, um, presentation or I will bring a couple of illustrators to the school with me where they will actually do some, you know, art and show the kids, you know, how the books were created. Um, We'll also, now we're bringing books to the stage by performing the books on stage with ballet companies and um, it's very exciting. Uh, So we're bringing our books to the stage now here. That is great. So you're taking the written word, the book, and then you're making a production out of it, a theatrical production. Absolutely. Very good. And um, it's really taken off, and we're also starting to do um, you know, several other things and working with other um, businesses who are very involved in Louisiana. With uh, In Louisiana, we're known for our Cajun stories, mm-hmm. our Cajun storytelling, I should say. So, so tell people and, who so, don't know what a Cajun story is. What, what is Cajun storytelling? Oh, okay. Well, a Cajun storytelling is, it comes from our heritage. It's um, my parents are um, French, and uh, so they were the Acadians who came down from Canada. And then, um, you know, so I grew up here in Louisiana and um, on in southwest Louisiana along the Gulf Coast. But the Cajun storytelling is, like, told from... Um, the self through, you know, from generations down. So my grandfather was a Cajun storyteller, and he inspired me um, to tell children's stories, and that's how I I, I know I started writing children's books, um, thanks to my grandfather. Um, Because in the Cajun storytelling, you might sit around, you know, in just a living room or just around a fire or outside on the porch and just make up stories. 
and um, and it's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Do you now? I know I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't talk about this prior. But is there mm-hmm. a favorite Cajun tale that is short enough that you could actually share on the air? Oh wow. <laughs> well, we'll, th- we'll uh, just think about that. You can put it in the back burner. If okay. um, and after right. after the break, if you um, we'll we'll take a break at the half hour, and if you um, and if you come up with one, and you say, you know, yeah, let me share this Cajun story to give people an an insight. Yeah. But I'm sure also um, are these are these tales like so? It's oral st- storytelling art, so they're um, personal. They're not. Um, I, I mean, is there like a particular they're Cajun tales that everybody knows in the area as being a popular? tale so to speak is that how it works um, i i think that every family um not every family but um you know i think that in families in general they kind of come up with their own okay. um however you're talking about a cajun tale you know there's so many that run through my mind and you know we're sort of known for our alligators and mm. our crawfish <laughs> right so I'm thinking, trying to think about the crawfish tale, and it'll come to my mind in in a, in a couple of minutes. And, well, well um, let's talk about the alligator because that's okay. the, that's the name of your um, publishing company, Alligator yeah. Book Bites. So, how how was that birthed? I mean, what, what you you said you were in psychology, and then all of a sudden, you know, you had this desire to do this. How how did you make that happen? Okay. Um, yes, I um, you know went back to school. I was um, a mother, and um, you know, of um, I actually we have five girls and one boy. So wow. um, my husband and I, um, you know, are very busy in our jobs and all. But I I went back to school, um, and you know, as I was raising my children, which was a little bit more difficult, <laughs> yeah, and challenging. However, I graduated with honors. I'm very proud mm. of that, but mm-hmm. I uh, founded Alligator Book Bites five years ago. In 2011, I founded the Southwest Louisiana Children's Book Writers and Illustrators Guild. This guild is composed of aspiring children's authors and illustrators. And by 2012, I had my first author come to me, and she wanted me to publish her book called To the World Above. And I published To the World Above. Mm-hmm. And it is a beautiful book by a local author. She wrote and illustrated her own book. And so then after that, the other authors got excited and wanted me to, you know, publish their books. Now we have 60-plus members in our guild. I'm really excited about that. We are growing. That is and, exciting. Um, and are they all from Louisiana, or are they from other states as well at this point? Um, we have some from Texas at this point, from southeast Texas. Cool. So, but the rest are from Louisiana. Um, and we work together as a team. Mm-hmm. And so Alligator Book Bites is different than other publishing houses. I'm very involved in the whole process from the manuscript, when I'm handed the manuscript at the beginning, to the final book being printed. Um, I call Alligator Book Bites a boutique publishing house mm-hmm. because we are one-stop bookmakers. Wow. Um, I have in-house illustrators, and they're very talented, and editors and um, book designers and and printers who um, I work with three printers now in the United States. Um, So you're not sending your books overseas to get printed like some publishing houses. You're doing it all in the U.S.? Correct. Um, However, with that being said, 
when I started back in 2005, my books were printed in South Korea. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So they actually came by boat. (laughs) Wow. So, and they, you know, and that's how I got started because I was working with a woman from California who had been in the publishing business for about 35 years. Mm-hmm. and um, she was actually getting my books printed for me, and like I said, they came from South Korea. Right wow. now, I you know, am working totally with printers in the United States. One of my printers is one of the most well-known children's book printers in the U.S. Wow, that's exciting. So if you've just joined us, you're listening to Healthy Options on WERU 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 FM Bangor, and streaming WERU.org. My guest is Tommy Townsley, and Tommy owns and is also an author and and, um, owns the publishing company Alligator Book Bites. Our books are yummy is the caption. And we're talking about reading for health and reading and health and the importance of of just reading and how that enhances one's life. Excuse me. Um, What what um, what do Louisiana stories offer main readers, Tommy? Um, our Louisiana stories offer so much to I think young readers everywhere, including Maine. Um, Louisiana is known for our food, our music, our culture, and of course our literature. Our children's books inspire children to read because they're fun and educational. Um, we use in most of our books with Alligator Book Bites, we have animal characters, mm-hmm. uh, which inspire children to read, um, and, and great illustrations. Most importantly, our books from Louisiana have moral lessons in them, and they also teach about our culture. And uh, we are very well known for our culture here in Louisiana. We have, you know, people travel from all over to uh, visit Louisiana. Um, Our books enrich the lives of the people here because they honor the region that we're so proud of. We've received a lot of support from our area and all along the Gulf Coast. Um, With that being said, I do uh, ship books throughout the United States. I've even, uh, you know, to England. Mm -hmm. And just recently, one of our books is on the shelves in Ireland. So I'm really proud of that. Cool. So you're, like, expanding this awareness of the culture in your area, in your state, all over the world then. Correct. And so I imagine it – so to a kid in Maine – who is growing up on the coast and, um, you know, the, the sea and, uh, and looking at, you know, the, the natural beauty here and what Maine has to offer and the lighthouses, reading, reading a book about the uh, Cajun people would open mm-hmm. up this whole other culture to that child and bring uh, um, new awareness that different people in different regions live and look at things sometimes a little differently. But yet you talk about in your stories how there's a moral lesson. So are these moral lessons uh, universal? Do you feel like they're universal truths or universal lessons? Oh, yes, they are universal. I mean, they can, children can use them in their everyday lives. You know, maybe from, um, you know, you need to listen to your parents. We talk about peer pressure and the importance of that. You know, I talk to the children when I go to the schools, you know, about these issues about, you know, sometimes listening to your friends isn't the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, there, there are things like that in my books, for instance, or that might be about family values that they need to, you know, embrace their family and, you know, and, and their values. And, and like I have done with my family, um, it may be, um, you know, just different things like, um, I'm trying to think my, um, I have a horse book, Samson, the spirited horse. And, uh, you know, and it talks about that you can, you can, you just need to believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, then you can, um, accomplish anything you want in your life. So that one's what, Phantom the Spirited Horse? Phantom the Spirited Horse. So that's about believing in yourself. So that's definitely a, a universal. So I could see where, um, where these would improve the quality of children's lives because they're learning these lessons about self-belief and um, self-esteem through this, through this work. Um, what, what is, uh, of your stories, your seven that you've written, what's, mm-hmm. what, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I get that. I ask that question often, uh-huh. <laughs> and of course, I love them all. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, I think that um, oh gosh, you know, my I, I just go back to um, my first book, Adolfo, the Adventurous Dolphin. Ah, the dolphin. Okay, the, the dolphin. Um, because I think it, it was my first book, and and when I wrote it, I you know I wrote it when I was in school, and I was taking an advanced creative writing class. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it for a, a final paper, and um, my professor loved it, and I received an A. And um, and then I had one of my friends, who's a school teacher, one day tell me that I needed to publish Adolfo, and she thought it was a great story, and it needed to be shared with children all over. So share the story and, with listeners. What what is the story of Adolfo the dolphin? Okay, well Adolfo the adventurous dolphin was a story, and here we go, about telling maybe a Cajun story. So we'll just take Adolfo as a Cajun story. Okay. Because we'll just go with this one. Because this is a story that I told my children one night before they went to bed. The next day we were going on vacation to Florida, and I told Thomas and Jamie, two of my children, Mm -hmm. that we were going to see a dolphin in the water named Adolfo. And he was going to come and visit us, and um, he was just such a sweet dolphin. And so I went on to tell my children the story and about Adolfo and how he came. And um, but he he left his safe place. He left his mother. She went to get breakfast for them, mm-hmm. and when she came back, um, Adolfo was gone. And so she looked all over for Adolfo and couldn't find Adolfo. But Adolfo had ended up near the shore, and that's where he met Thomas and Jamie, my children. Ah. And so he ends up playing with Thomas and Jamie for a day with a beach ball, and they have fun, and they become friends. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas and Jamie have to go home back to Louisiana, and they really wanted to bring Adolfo back with them. But when they asked their mother, she said, I'm sorry, where would we put Adolfo? He won't fit in our swimming pool. Um (laughs) You know, he's going to outgrow it. He can, but he lives out in the Gulf, the beautiful Gulf. And so, in, anyway, so his mother, his mother ends up finding Adolfo, and he has to go back with his mother, and they tell each other bye, and they hope to see each other the next year. So that's how the story goes. And in the end, um, Adolfo says, Mommy, will you tell me a bedtime story? And she says, Sure, I'll tell you a bedtime story. So she tells Adolfo the story about a baby dolphin 
who thought he was a big dolphin and left his safe home by himself. <laughs> and he couldn't find his way back. And he was lucky that a mean shark didn't get him. Oh, goodness. And so they snuggle next to one another, and he has sweet dreams. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. That's adorable. That's adorable. <laughs> now, what, what age group do you usually, um, what, what age group would that book be geared toward? My books are what we call picture storybooks. Mm-hmm. So they have the illustrations in them, but they're a little longer. Mm-hmm. So the age group in the publishing world is from three to nine. However, a three-year-old could not read that book, of course. Right, but you a know, three-year-old a, could appreciate. Appreciate it, and they look at the illustrations, and the illustrations are just as important as the words, so they understand the story. And they just – my books are um, – I have an illustrator that um, – did the illustrations in watercolors, so they're beautiful. And mm. she's known for her watercolor here in Lake Charles. And uh, Ann Dentler truly bought, brought the characters, characters to life in my books. So, um, but like I said, three to nine-year-olds is my age group. Well, now that you just shared the story about the dolphin, is that your all time? What is that your favorite? Now, think. I want you to think back, actually, because mm-hmm. when you were a kid. What was your favorite all-time story as a kid, and why? My favorite all-time story, even to this day, is The Tale of Peter Rabbit by Beatrice Potter. Uh-huh. And the reason is, I, whenever I started writing my children's books, I looked at her work. I always loved that story. I read it to my children. But my grandfather read that story to me she wrote and illustrated her books her first book the tale of peter rabbit was published in 1902 Mm, and her illustrations are so detailed and so beautiful and they just inspired me and of course she loves animals loves Mm -hmm. animals i love animals all my books are about animals so we have a lot in common Mm -hmm. but I just loved Peter Rabbit, and and it inspired her to write that book because she had a rabbit named Peter Piper, <laughs> and he inspired her to write the story. And I, and I, so, I think she wasn't she from Great Britain. Yes, the Lake she was. District. Because I think when I the was Lake out District, there, yes. yeah, when I was out there, they had the tour of the Beatrix Potter mm-hmm. house, and it was a, a big thing out there. It was really, really amazing. And and she yes. lived in this, I mean, beautiful pastoral setting that I could see where your imagination could really go to town because it's um I mean it's so beautiful out there absolutely and and I think as you know as authors um I know you know myself when I was writing my books we um get in those kind of settings and they inspire us and you know and that's how we get these stories out and um you know um like Kaiser the Singing Schnauzer, my book Kaiser the Singing Schnauzer <laughs> is about my dog Kaiser. He is a Schnauzer and he does sing. So, and so you write what you you write about what you know. Yes. 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 But then you and also let your imagination take over. Yes, that's what writing is so fun. Writing children's books, we just can be as creative creative as we want to be. And um, that's what I tell children when I go to the school. They'll say, what made you want to become an author? Or, you know, do you love being an author? And, you know, I'm, of course, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. 
And of course, we know that there are ample studies on how creativity helps with brain function and, um, and with health. But I, I want to ask you another question. Your, your company has taken on some challenging topics for children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Name a few of those and tell listeners why you chose to tackle those specific topics. Okay. Um, yes, we are tackling um, topics that like bullying, mm-hmm. autism, um, I mentioned peer pressure, mm-hmm. uh, family values. Um, I have a book about, um, you know, beluga whales and they're becoming endangered. And, um, and you know, why is that? You know, um, um, also about being unique and different, um, you know, and learning the importance of listening to your parents. Um, and, you know, I have a, a dog. A, a book about a, a three-legged dog named Jeannie, mm. and that book is just, you know, just doing really, really well, too, because um, she's a therapy dog, and um, so I chose to tackle these topics because children need to become aware of these issues and know how and learn how to deal with them in real situations. Bullying is a big problem now. We all know that, um, and that is why I wanted a book to discuss to address this problem, mm-hmm. the author that wrote the book called Bernice mm-hmm. uh, was bullied as a child, and now she is a school teacher and she teaches um, in New Orleans, Louisiana, mm-hmm. um, special needs children. Wow. Um, and uh, we have a brand new book called Under the Umbrella that was just published a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it spreads awareness about autism. The author uh, teaches also teaches special needs children, and she wanted to share the story and educate children about autism and so that children would better, you know, understand a child with autism and they won't make fun of them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are really, really important. So, so yeah, so there's a real educational component to taking on some of the um, issues that as a society, we're all grappling with our um, and teaching kids how to handle it. And I imagine when you do that, it opens up a dialogue when you do it publicly where um, kids can be in a space where they can talk about these things also. Um, so I, I, I think that's, that's amazing work. If you've just joined us, I'm Cynthia Swan. You're listening to Healthy Options. And my guest today is Tommy Townsley, author and... Um, also publisher of Alligator Book Bites in Louisiana. And you're listening at 89.9 FM Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming WERU.org. We're going to take a very short break here, and then we're going to come back, and I have more questions for Tommy, but we're also going to open up our caller line because I have a question for our listening audience, and I hope you participate. Welcome back. Healthy Options with Cynthia Swan, my guest, Tommy Townsley. We're talking about reading and health. But I do have a public service announcement. I, um, tonight, 
Wednesday, October 5th, Santa Fe pianist, composer, and sound healing guide will present a sound celebration, a soul-centered improvisational music concert at Bagaduce Music Lending Library's Performance Hall at 49 South Street in Blue Hill tonight from 6.30 to 8 p.m. A portion of the proceeds from this presentation will go to BMLL. So if you want to reserve a seat or you need more information, call Eileen Millenhausen. Eileen, I hope I'm not messing up your last name, and forgive me if I did, at 441-2785. And um, Ballard will be offering a sound healing workshop in Hamden and in Bangor, this weekend. And again, for more information on all of this, call Eileen at 441-2785. I'll give it one last time, 207-441-2785 for the sound healing, sound celebration tonight at in Blue Hill. So Tommy, um, I also want to give... Um, our number to those who want to call in, um, our toll-free number is 1-866-625-WERU. So that's 1-866-625-9378. And I'll give you, the audience members, the question that we came up with, and then I'll continue the conversation um, until calls come in. So we're asking you, our listening audience today, what is your favorite childhood book and why? So think back. What's your favorite childhood book and why? What did it teach you? Did it make a difference in your life? Did it improve your health, your mind, your consciousness? Um, of course, as a kid, we don't always think about those things, but maybe looking back as an adult. So, uh, Tommy, to continue our conversation, what, what's your greatest wish for children in general? And how do you feel that adults can support them to achieve it? Oh, wow. Um, there's so many wishes I have for children. But I think my greatest wish for children is that from the moment that they are born into this world, that they are treated good and they're loved wholeheartedly the moment they are born. Children are so innocent, and their lives and their futures depend on us. And my biggest wish for children is that their parents teach them great moral values and to become good citizens. And adults can best support their children by spending quality time together with reading being the key. Okay, and, and, and choosing, so uh, something just came up about subjects um, for, mm -hmm. for books about um, the Internet and uh, the, the drugs, the, you know, the drug culture. Are, mm -hmm. those, um, are those topics that you can see somebody grabbing? I, I, incidentally, I think it's interesting that the publish or the writers, the authors you've talked about, many of them are mm -hmm. school teachers. Um, so you're talking about addressing the issue about drugs? Yeah, and, and even the Internet, as, um, because more and more people are, um, you know, even doing their reading on, you know, Kindle and, and uh, on the Internet in general or, or reading off the Internet. Um, what, what is your sense of, of that for, um, 
for children and that and and stories for children on those on that topic well of course you know um we you know the we know all about the kindles and you know everything online and kids are on ipads now even in schools mm-hmm. and um you know that's what they're doing i mean it's you know 2016 um h- however my feelings about it is that um you know i never want the um books to go away the you know hardcover copies the books that you can they actually get in children's hands and they can turn the pages and smell the paper and um you know and they're you know of course like i said i don't want them to go away and so with that being said um we we can and you know uh, tackle those topics uh through children's books but we have to do it in a way that um is going to work for children you know we can't do it on a, on an adult level so we have to bring it down to their level. And so actually, you know, children's books are more difficult to write than any other books. And why Why do you say that? Well, there's just a lot of restrictions. There's, um, I say restrictions, but um, in most picture books, which is what I specialize in, um, you know, are 24 and 32 pages. So you have to get everything in those pages that, you know, you want that's important. And you have to get it across so to the children, and we have to watch the, that's why editing is so important. Um, there's certain words that you can't use and certain vocabulary, you know, and and uh, we don't want the kids to, you know, pick up on that or, you know, learn those bad words or anything. So we want to keep it very positive. Um, so, uh, and a lot of people will tell me, I, you know, I don't even know how you write children's books. I, I you know, I'm, now I'm starting to get a novel then into my publishing house and you know and I'm looking at 50 and 60,000 words now mm. and going oh my goodness you know how did this author even write all of this you know? yeah because um, <laughs> I, I I never could do that I just you know I just my my I did my 1800 words and that was good you know mm-hmm. uh, but now we we have our first uh super excited about our first middle grade novel coming out and uh called the burlap cat and it should be available at the end of this month. And um, it's it's a very good book. And then I have another one coming behind it. So we're kind of moving up into, because of the um, the middle grade and the high schoolers, from what I understand, mm-hmm. they are having trouble finding really good books to read. I have parents come to me all the time and say, you know, Miss Townsley, you know, can you, do you have any authors that are writing some other things besides, you know, my kids, I mean, the comic books are great, you know, the kids like sci-fi, of course, and they're very popular, um, you know, and there's certain topics that children want to read about. But um, what I'd like to do and, and what we are doing is I'm having some really good books come out by authors here in Louisiana, and we talk about Cajun stories. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I have a new book coming out about the uh, fairies in the swamp. You know, mm. um, that is a true Cajun story, you know, about these fairies living in a swamp. And I think it's going to take off. Oh, wow. That, that, so, so you're saying that mostly you've got the three to nine year, uh, years of age covered, but that you're really right. working on expanding in the middle school and high school. Correct. <clears throat> Do you think that kids read less um, at least in your region, in the high school, uh, um, and I'm talking about reading for for entertainment, not reading for uh, for school, for uh, homework or class. Yes, yeah, they um the kids here um, in Louisiana. We're losing our readers around the fourth grade. Fourth they, grade, um, around fourth grade, yes, and um, so it's unfortunate. 
and um, so and Louisiana is, um, you know, one of the states that is one of the lowest states with high school graduates. And I think that, unfortunately, you know, you see on the news and, you know, all this bad things about Louisiana and about maybe we're uneducated and which, you know, it isn't true. <laughs> we do have very, <laughs> including myself, I consider myself to be very well educated. Um, but in our state as in, in general, um, our kids aren't, aren't reading because they're, you know, on the Internet mm-hmm. and in social media. Um, and so they have to read in school here, mm-hmm. and they get what they call AR points. Mm-hmm. So if they read a certain amount of books, they're required to do, you know, a certain amount of books per year. And so they get points for that, AR points, and they might get prizes and they're awarded for it. And um, so they have to do it or they're going to fail. Hmm. I, I want to ask you a question about libraries because libraries have changed with this whole thing with the Internet. And it, it's it's not just about borrowing books. Now there's DVDs, CDs, books on tape, but also where people go in and utilize the computers, look for jobs, uh, sometimes even at a local library. It's a real hub. It's like a, a communal hub. Do you... Um, do you see that to be um, a continuing trend, or do you think that um, that's not going, that libraries are, are not going to be as viable in the future? What If you had a crystal ball to look at that, what, what's your <laughs> sense of that? Boy, I'd really need a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that topic's been brought up here. We have uh, what we call parishes here mm-hmm. in Lake Charles um, in southwest Louisiana, and we have 13 parish libraries. I'm very involved, of course, with our local libraries. Um, and, you know, I've heard, um, you know, with my Writers Guild, and there's another Writers uh, Guild, which is for adults. You know, I do the children's writing. They do the adult mm-hmm. um, books. But um, that has been brought up. You know, are the libraries not going to be needed anymore? But um, I don't think that's – I don't foresee that in the, in the future. You know, I think that um, people, like I said – and working in the publishing business, working with the, you know, big printers and their print in New York Times, you know, books. And so I'm on the ne- in the know about, you know, what's going on in, in the future with uh, books. And so, um, like I said, I, I believe that it, it's the libraries will continue to remain. The books are free to mm-hmm. check out mm-hmm. at any time. Yeah, so I tell parents all the time, you can't afford to buy your child a book please visit the library. Our libraries stay busy all the time, all the time. Yeah, and most libraries for years have had children's section, of course, adult sections, and so on and so forth. If you're just joining our conversation, you're listening to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan, and my guest is Tommy Townsley, um, the author and publisher and owner of Alligator Book Bites in Louisiana. If you want to join our conversation, call in on our um, toll-free line, 1-866-625-9378. And again, that's 1-866-625-9378. I kind of put that out there to um, as just asking listeners, what was your favorite book as a kid? And, and why. Um, Tommy, what, so you think that the future the, that we're trending toward, do you think there'll be a, um, a greater need for libraries and, um, 
even publishing houses and companies in the United States? Do you see it trending in that direction? Um, I would like to see it trending in that direction. However, I have to be realistic. <laughs> mm. And it's, you know, probably not going to go in that direction um, with, you know, all the technology now. So, you know, like I said, everything is ebooks, Kindles, online. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I wish I, I do need the crystal ball. Then I could give you an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what now? So, what, what about the trend that we've got now also in, in self publishing? So, mm-hmm. so I, I um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, my company is an independent self publishing company. Um, I'm not like one of the traditional publishers, and that's what sets me apart. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's several, you know, people ask me all the time, what is the difference between self-publishing and traditional publishing? And the reason that I have my company being a self-publishing company, and that's how I got started, I wouldn't be here today with my own publishing house if I would have gone with a traditional house because I, my Adolfo was rejected. Mm. And um, Adolfo was rejected two times. And, mm. um, but I know authors who have binders full of rejection letters. And the traditional houses, um, you know, supposedly pay royalty fees and all of this. And, mm-hmm. But my publishing house, the, I sit down with each author and illustrator. They get to pick their illustrator. And then we work together as a team. So we're building books. We're building the book that they want, their dream, where a traditional publishing house, they will take your manuscript and you will never meet your illustrator. You have no idea what your illustrations are going to look like. It may take them two to three years to finish the book. I am producing books in six to eight months wow. at the most. Wow. And so they're coming really, I'm doing six and seven a year right now. And just this past week, I got three more in. Mm. So, um, you know, they're coming very quickly and I can get them finished. You know, because I have them, my illustrators are on a schedule. You know, you mm-hmm. have three months, four months at the most to complete this book. You know, then um, I have my designers, so my editors know what to do. Um, so, but self-publishing had a bad name. And whenever I first got started, I self-published Adolfo. And at that time, it was just such a bad thing to self-publish a book. And um, mm-hmm. because a lot of these self-publishing companies weren't doing them correctly, they were gluing the books, they were falling apart, they weren't being edited. Um, you know, they, I could go on and on. And so people were like, anybody could get their book out there and, you know, they could do their own and all you gotta do is come up with the money Mm -hmm. and, you know, but, and there's some online companies that still do that. They will take your money. And I want the listeners to know this, just to be careful when you go online and you Google certain presses or certain publishing houses and that say, you know, look, you know, this is what we can do. Um, you know, for you and, you know, it'll cost $3,000 or $5,000 and, you know, but most of the time you're not going to get the book that you wanted and it's going to, um, it's just not going to be the quality. So I take pride in what I do and our, in Alligator Book Bites. When I put Alligator Book Bites on a book and it's, you know, my logo's on there, I, I promise you that it's going to be perfect. In my and it's going to be, it's going to be. I I would put any of my books up against, you know, top books throughout, you know, the world, and on the shelves and compete with them. 
So let's say somebody um, listening to this show has an mm-hmm. idea for a children's book. Mm-hmm. Or has um, has already maybe maybe there's a school teacher. Of course, school teachers now they're back in school. But um, somebody you know, a librarian or somebody listening to this show and th- says, you know, I got an idea for a middle school book, or or I've written you know an outline to a book, um, or for a high school. Um, would they be able to contact a company such as yours and have a conversation with you? Absolutely. Yes, I will talk to them on the phone. Um, I answer the phone. I answer all my emails every single day, um, and or you know as fast and quickly as I can. So give, and give. I think that people love the fact that, that I get back with them quickly. Well, Tommy, give your um, give your uh, contact information to our listeners because there may be somebody who's listening to this program that has an idea and would like to be a part of Alligator Book Bites and work with you. Okay, uh, my website is www.alley, it's A-L-L-Y, and then a hyphen, gator, G-A-T-O-R, bookbites, one word, dot com, alligatorbookbites.com. And um, you can contact me uh, on my website. It has contact information and send me, you know, your questions and I will get back with you. You can leave me your phone number or email Okay, so alligator and bite is spelled B-I-T-E. B-I-T-E-S, book bites. Book bites. Yes, alligatorbookbites.com. Okay, and then they can get a hold of you there. Is there, um, do you accept most proposals or do you have a real, you know, do you have a certain vetting program? What what makes you determine what is of the quality that um, would you know for for your audience for for the reading audience. Well, you know, I um, I don't really give rejection letters um, like the traditional publishing houses, but I do give suggestions. And so, um, for the most part, if books come in or manuscripts come in, and I I think they need some work or they need some tweaking. Um, you know, I have my, my editors just send a letter back saying, look, if, you know, you can make this better if you work on this, you know, mm-hmm. and get back with us, you know, um, when you're finished. Um, but I, I, I go through them myself, and I determine, um, you know, it, based, based on what we talked about, that, you know, um, is this children's book, um, you know, does it have something in it that what I call the meat and potatoes in it? You know, is it going to be rich in, you know, language and uh, vocabulary? Um, and, and, of course, I'm big into the, you know, lessons in a the book. They don't always have to have a lesson in the book because they're, you know, a children's book. They're a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it going to fit well with Alligator Book Bites? Um, because the books that we have, you know, like like I said, we're, we're addressing issues in them and that are helping children and uh, hoping to change their lives. So, so I, I look at those things. So you're talking about, so let, let's go back to the um, content in the books when you were talking about like having a moral or something. In mm-hmm. what, what do you think are the biggest um, issues? Now, of course, I ask a question like this and, you know, when we've got like 10, less than 10 minutes now. But what are the, some of the biggest issues that you think children's grap- children grapple with? So, so one, you talked about bullying. School bullying, yeah. we, we know that. That's a big, and, and we see that all over the inter, with the Internet, too. It just really seems to be, um, uh, you know, really apparent that that kind mm-hmm. of thing is, is going on and, and uh, 
can be done even quicker and more ruthlessly, it seems sometimes. But but what are some of the other uh, things that you feel kids really grapple with? Well, I mean, they just, um, I, you know, I have grandchildren now, and um, I think it's, um, I, I'm, it's, I think it's just a, a difficult world now. It's totally different than, you know, when we grew up and, you know, we were pretty much happy <laughs> for the most part and being able to play and not have any problems with worrying about, you know, getting hurt or anything like that. And um, so I think that what children are um, dealing with, of course, the main thing is, is bullying. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, the way they look um, their body image. Mm. Uh, I hear that all the time, you know, um, and it's so unfortunate and it really makes me angry, um, that, um, that children can be, they really can be mean. <laughs> and so it's, it's a day to day, uh, struggle, I think for these kids. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I go into the schools and I only get to be with them for just a little while, mm-hmm. um, when I read my books, but at least, you know, when I go into the schools, I can look into the audience and, and I can look into the eyes of the children and I can kind of tell which children are maybe, they might be having some issues at home. I think that has a lot, their environment, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, they're like almost looking for, they're just for attention and, and love and, um, in when, and they're, you know, just want, and they look at me like, I really want that book. They look at the book and, you know, it's, it's very special to them. And so I always say when I go into the schools, if I can change the life of one child, then I've done my job that day, mm. you know, by making them smile. Right. Um, but I think that, like I said, bullying is really big. And I think that the body image and the way they dress and, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, how much money you have or don't have. And our society, you know, um, is just split. And um, between really, you, you, are really, you saying it's split between the haves and the have-nots, so yes, to speak? Correct. Mm. Yes, between the haves and the have-nots. Yes, and that and creates that creates a lot of tension in it communities. Yes, it does. We have you know we have private schools here and public schools, mm-hmm. and um, you know they're just divided, and it's um, divided in the sense it, that it's the the. You know the way the um, the people. Um, the way, it's hard to explain. <laughs> but you mean how people are perceived, like those who can afford to go to a private school? Is that yeah. what you're alluding to? Okay, and then yes, if they have their uniforms on, you know, they know exactly what school they're going to, and it's like, oh well, you know, their family has money, or you know, whatever, and so they don't. And then the other kids, you know, they're thinking, well, I guess they're not getting a good education, but they are. You know, my son went to, uh, he graduated uh, from Loyola University just recently uh, from New Orleans, which is a top university in Louisiana, and he graduated, you know, top of his class. But he, when he was younger, K through 5, he went to a school that was big into the arts and sciences, mm-hmm. and he was not a reader at that time. He didn't want to read. He, you know, I tried to read to him, but, you know, he just didn't want to read. But at the, that school, they made him read. And to this day, he is so thankful. And he says, you know, that T.S. Cooley was the name of it, T.S. Cooley Elementary, mm-hmm. and it was not a private school, you know, taught him from, you know, the ground up and taught him, you know, how, the importance of reading. And he learned a lot. 
well, maybe you need to have a warning on all the books that you publish, Tommy, that reading this book may enhance and change your life and teach you mm-hmm. something very valuable. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. because that yeah, is the one takeaway from um, that I hear educators talking about this. You're, you're, you know, you're talking about this. I mean, you're, you're an author, but you're also, um, I mean, your books definitely educate about some of the social uh, you know, social values, family values, um, culture. Also, you mentioned um, also even environmental. So there's a so some of your authors have a concern about the environment and yes. teaching children at a very early age because um, in in my readings, I, I, I think this is holds true that um, it's at that early age where you can make a big you know, certain things make a big imprint on a child where they decide at an early age that something is important to them, um, you know, something like champion the environment and whatnot. We only have a couple minutes left. So if you've Aww. just joined us, you're you're listening to Healthy Options on WERU. I'm Cynthia Swan. My guest is Tommy Townsley of Alligator Book Bites. And I'm going to give the website A-L-L-Y hyphen G-A-T-O-R Book Bites, spelled B-I-T-E-S, dot com if you want to get a hold of our of our guest today. And in the few moments we have of um, parting, is there anything that I haven't asked you or we haven't said, anything left unsaid or anything that you would want to reiterate or share with our listening audience about reading? Um, No, I just want to, you know, tell you thank you for listening. Thank you for having me, Cindy. Um, My pleasure. I want to say that I I love Maine. My (laughs) husband and I absolutely love Maine. Uh, we've been going there the last few years and, and hope to um, continue our tradition there. And I think I just want to say that I really believe that uh, Maine has a lot in common with Louisiana. Mm. And I can tell I when I visit Maine that you do have the libraries and that community is important and family. So um, I do visit the bookstores and um and I see that, you know, the people there are wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy, for joining us on the show today. My guest, Tommy Townsley, I'm signing off. This is Cynthia Swan for Healthy Options. Um, listen next month, the first Wednesday of the month at 10 a.m. Thanks to John Greenla- Greenman for um, engineering the show. And hang on and listen to On the Wing with Melisinda coming up next. You've been listening to WERU Radio Healthy Options. Thanks, all. Support for WERU comes from Susan Bakley and Chris Marshall at the 13th Moon Center in Montville, offering shamanic healing, art from the heart, through art, therapy, and classes since 1985. More information is available at 13thmooncenter.net, all spelled out, or 589-3063. Hello there. Do you have a smartphone, a smart meter, a smart stove, a smart car, or even a dumb computer or cell phone or tablet or a music player, or just a regular car for that matter. Odds are pretty good that the answer is yes for at least one of those items. And if it is, you might want to tune in to Notes from the Electronic Cottage at about 7.30 on Thursday mornings to contemplate what's going on in the world of electronic technology that we all live in today and what effect that technology can have on our everyday lives. That's Notes from the Electronic Cottage, Thursday mornings at 7.30 
only on our community radio station, WERU-FM Blue Hill at 89.9, Bangor at 99.9, and everywhere